Do you want your child to have education without liberal indoctrination? Do you know how to teach the next generation to discern truth in an age of misinformation? Do you feel our country was better off when we were unified around the same patriotic principles? Welcome to the Conservative Classroom, where we're teaching the truth and preserving our values. I'm your host, Mr. Webb, and I'm glad you're here. This podcast is a haven for conservative teachers, parents, and patriots like you who believe in the importance of free speech, traditional values, and education without indoctrination. Each week, we dive into the issues that are plaguing our education system and keeping you up at night. Each episode, we offer common sense ideas to improve education in our classrooms and communities. You may feel like you're the last conservative educator, but I want you to know that you are not alone. By the way, if you like what you hear today, please share this podcast with a like-minded educator or parent. Together, we can teach the truth and preserve our values. In today's episode, we're speaking with Patrick Garrison, founder of The True Corrective, an organization dedicated to building a future generation of citizens unified around shared values and principles. Now let's get started. Today, I'm excited to welcome Patrick Garrison, founder of The True Corrective, to the conservative classroom. Patrick, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. I'm I'm happy to be here. I'm glad to have you. To start, Patrick, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what led you to found the True Corrective? Well, I I haven't always been a teacher, although I believe I was always supposed to be a teacher, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. But, you know, life happens fast sometimes. And when you're young, right out of college, you know, you just want to do everything. So my first degree was a BFA in cinematography. So I started out in the film business, worked on a bunch of big Hollywood movies, got a gig as a cinematographer for a B-horror movie. From there, I went on to advertising. Advertising pushed me toward photography, and then I opened my own photography studio. And that's what I did most of my adult life, portrait photography. That's how I provided for my family and raised my kids. So I've, I've had mostly an, an artist's life, I, I guess I would say, for, for most of my life. Then in, in 2008, when my children were entering high school, life was starting to slow down a little, and I decided to go back to school and do what I was planning on doing all along, to be a teacher. And once I got into a New York public school, New York, mind you, I have to specify where this is. Once I got into a a New York public school, it became evident right away that uh, something something was really wrong. (laughs) Uh, So I had gone to Catholic school. I sent my kids to Catholic school and getting into a public school was a just, it was a very different thing. So this was right, 2008, this was right at the early stages of when the catastrophe that we have all come to know as diversity was being pushed in schools. Gotcha. So here I am showing students how we all share a common set of values and principles, where those come from, why that's important to a society. And all that mattered to everyone else was how we were all different. And that's destructive to children and their ability to thrive in their society for an infinite number of reasons, which we can get to later if you want. But I started to realize that it wasn't going to be enough for me in in public school just to reach the hundred or so students in my own classrooms each year. That's That's not going to be enough to overcome the millions of students being dumped out of the education system each year who not only don't know how to preserve their republic, aren't capable of doing it, but they don't even know why they should. So I felt like I had to do more. I had to reach more kids. And that's when I started putting the True Corrective together. And where does the name True Corrective, where does that come from? 
Well, it comes from a quote from Thomas Jefferson, and, and I won't um, I won't just uh, you know read the whole quote, but right. what he's talking about is when the people in in a society do not exercise their control, their authority, and self governance properly. With I think he the words he uses is with a wholesome discretion. The remedy is not to take that authority from them, but to inform their discretion through education. So he says that education is the true corrective of constitutional abuses of power. And so that's where I got the name from. Interesting. So let's just dive into the true corrective. What? Tell us what is the true corrective? Okay, so... We are a new education startup dedicated to restoring our national shared values and principles by empowering parents to take back authority and control over their child's education. We feel that both of those, restoring our shared values and principles and empowering parents, are the keys to bringing America back from the crisis point that many people feel that we're in. In addition to providing full-year courses for homeschool families, we also provide a very unique set of materials for parents of the nearly 56 million children in public and private schools. Because that that's not going away. I, I know we hear and we, we talk about how people... In, in certain districts and certain places should get their kids out of public education. And, and they, and that may be true, but public education is not going away and it shouldn't. And there are still going to be millions, tens of millions of children in those schools. So we want to provide materials for them as well, because that 56 million in public and private schools, that, that completely overwhelms the five to 10 million who, who are being homeschooled. So the materials we provide for them, these materials run right alongside the child's in-school coursework, paralleling their classroom instruction and bolstering it with two important things. Number one, injecting it with much needed instruction in our shared values and principles. And two, countering and combating the false narratives and damaging ideologies that are common in many of these courses. This particular curriculum for public and private school parents is called the spirit of resistance, which also comes from a Thomas Jefferson quote. Um, if you, if, if your listeners want to you know, know exactly what that quote is, I would say, go to the website. Uh, for now, I will just say it comes from that quote and it's all about how the people, the, the government needs to know that the people are willing to push back against it when it abuses its power. So now we've decided with True Corrective, we've decided to begin with focusing on 7 through 12 social studies. That would be, as you know, history courses, economics, psychology, civics, government, and law. Those are all included under the social studies umbrella. And we're starting with social studies because the destruction of our shared values and principles is happening across all curricular disciplines. But the discipline we have to pay the most attention to is social studies. These courses are the most influential in the development of our children's understandings of the world and of each other that they will take with them throughout the rest of their lives. This is where the war for the hearts and minds of our children are is being waged in social studies classes. And this is where we are either going to turn things around or the ship is going to sink. Right. A couple of interesting things that, that jump out at me. First of all, I think the true corrective is a great fit for the conservative classroom. <laughs> I start every podcast out with uh, welcome to the conservative classroom where we're teaching the truth and preserving our values. And it sounds like that's exactly what you guys are trying to do. Teach the truth and then preserve our shared values. Absolutely. And this, uh, and then the other thing that, that popped in my head was, uh, of course, you've got the, the full courses for homeschool families. And then the curriculum 
that parallels the, the classwork in public and private schools. Is this just designed to supplement what they're doing at school, or is this something teachers could use, conservative teachers, to replace the curriculum they're using in class, or even just teachers use that to supplement what they're doing in class? Well, certainly teachers can use it to supplement what they're doing in class. We we do intend, but it, it's a longer-term goal. Uh, our intention is to develop the curriculum more more fully so we can sell it to districts. Uh, right now, what we what we are what we're developing fully is for homeschool usage. And the spirit of resistance curriculum for public and private school uh, families is more is more like like an add-on or, or like you said like something that complements the in-school coursework. Got it. Uh, your mission statement begins with the phrase, a nation that denigrates its foundations contributes to its own collapse. What does that mean exactly? Okay, well, let's see. Let's get a little philosophical for a few minutes. So <laughs> when, when I say the true corrective is dedicated to restoring our national shared values and principles, I'm talking about those things that are the foundation of who we are as a people. Every society that has ever existed has had a set of these, a set of values and principles that the people in that society hold in common, that are unique to them, that make them who they are. It's what makes Italians Italian, Nigerians Nigerian, and uh, Ukrainians Ukrainian. Every society understands that if they don't instill those values and principles in each successive generation, that they will no longer have a country. They'll just become a bunch of atomized individuals with no glue holding them together. And no society can be sustained in that state. We have a set of these as well, a set of shared values and principles, like every other society. I, I would say possibly the greatest set that mankind has come up with to date. And some of them are, for example, natural rights, equality under the law, self-governance, the importance of virtue in that self-governance, religious liberty, consent of the governed, and the intrinsic value of all human beings made in the image of God. We could make a much larger list, but, but those are some of the big ones. These are the things that underpin our social fabric, that support our institutions, that, that bind us together as a people. And we get them primarily from three places, which we at the True Corrective, we refer to as the three pillars. And those are American founding principles, Judeo-Christian values, and Western thought. That's where we derive our shared values and principles. Not only has the education system effectively stopped advancing these pillars, and by extension, our shared values, but very often it actively tears them down. We have turned over the responsibility of instilling our nation, our society, our people's shared values and principles in the nation's citizenry. We've turned that over to the education system, and frankly, it has failed miserably. As it turns out, one of the main things that gives us human beings a sense of fulfillment is practicing our commitment to each other within a society fulfilling our our uh, roles and responsibilities to each other. And it's that common set of shared values and principles that informs those roles and responsibilities that we seek to fulfill in our society. The loss of those is doing great damage to our children. The, the education system has been churning out generation after generation of children, dumping them into a society that they do not understand, do not respect, and have no sense of belonging in. They are disconnected and isolated from each other, from their community. I mean, we have, we have essentially left them adrift, untethered from their society and from each other. It's no wonder why they're so susceptible to things like gender ideology, Marxism, CRT, all these social contagions you see on, on TikTok, and also suicidal ideation. Because all we do is tear them apart, separate them from each other, from their families, from their elders. 
teach them that our, our differences are what's most important. We degrade the social institutions that are there precisely to give them a sense of meaning and purpose. And then we're surprised when they desperately seek out something else to fill that void. Right. In my opinion, it's not just immoral to do that to kids, to, to unmoor them from their society. It's, it's wicked. And a society that does not protect its children is a society not worth saving. That's how important it is to instill our values and principles in the nation's children. They call them foundations for a reason, because everything falls apart without them. And how did we get away from these shared values? Well, there's there's a, a long story to be told, I guess, about how that occurred. I mean, it happened... I think back in the 50s is, is when it started. Um, and, and it really started in, as, as far as as far as I understand the history of it. Um, it. It started as a way to make kids for what we needed them to be. So we needed workers. Uh, you know, we needed kids to get out of the farms and get into factories. And so we decided that this is how this is how we're going to do it. We're going to restructure education in order to build what we want to build. And we've gotten away from the foundations and just decided we're going to, if we need this, you know, this is what we do. So, so, so right now, everybody's, everything's about STEM. So now we need to push STEM and now we need to do that because all we're, all we're really focused on is creating workers, you right. know, the, the, who can, who can fill, who can fill those shoes and, Without the foundations underneath that, it really isn't going to change anything. And as I'm thinking about that question that I just asked you, how do we get away from these shared values? That that's a whole podcast right there. You know, and, adding to that, adding adding to that real quick. So, you know, if by some miracle we were able to make every student in the country proficient in math and reading. And all 56 million of the students currently in the education system were to come out of school being able to cure cancer. Our country would still be in decline. We would still be in a state of crisis for all the reasons that we just talked about, because those shared values and principles are, are not underpinning that. You know what I mean? Right. So if, if I was forced to choose, if I was forced to choose right now, if we could only do one or the other, either teach our children, say, chemistry and algebra, or teach them our common set of shared values and principles, I would choose the latter if it was a binary choice, because the former is pointless without the latter. However, when you build a society with a strong set of shared values and principles, that society will educate its children well. Everything in that society will be reinforced and uplifted. When the foundations are strong, Everything is raised. When the foundations are weak, everything suffers. To borrow a phrase from Stephen Covey, it's the difference between going for the root and just hacking at the leaves. Mm -hmm. Right. So you emphasize the need to provide children with an education they deserve but are being denied. Could you elaborate more on what you see as lacking in our current education system? Yeah. So. I mean, obviously, we're talking about, or I've been talking about, the main thing that's lacking is the uh, instilling of our national shared values and principles. But anyone who's paying attention knows that the education system is failing our children in many ways, besides the ways in which is it has aided in the destruction of our shared values and principles. Our kids can't read, they can't write, can't do math don't know the basic foundations of our government and history. Uh, they can't even pass a simple citizenship test. These are, and these are all things that anyone can easily look up online. If, if, you know, if some listeners are saying, well, he's exaggerating, you know, for effect. Um, <laughs> and if we've all seen the recent reports uh, about zero students being proficient in reading and math in entire districts. And, the people who don't want to admit the failures of the education system will say, that's just because of COVID. Well, yes, zeros may be due to our overblown response to COVID, but we have to remember that even before COVID, the numbers were pretty much in the toilet. Uh, 
And and the numbers I'm about to give you are from the very highly trusted National Assessment of Education Progress, more commonly known as the Nation's Report Card. So in 2019, the year before COVID, Mm -hmm. 69% of 12th graders across the country were not proficient in reading. 69% and 79% were not proficient in math. Those are staggering numbers. And that's before COVID. That's pre-COVID. Yeah. yeah, that's their 2019 numbers. Wow. And, 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 for, and for listeners who might not know what that means, proficient meaning not at grade level. So in what world would we consider a system to be functioning well that is utterly failing to serve the needs of three quarters of its customers? If my business were to do that, nobody would take us seriously. We would be a laughing stock. Right. And these are our children we're talking about. It, we, we took a big hit in our proficiencies and, and, and scores because of COVID. They weren't great beforehand either. It, it makes me wonder why folks are so against school choice. Um, if you If you had your child taking music lessons, and the music teacher wasn't teaching your child anything, you would take them to a different music teacher. I don't understand why <laughs> in education, if our children aren't learning, why are we also against being able to take them elsewhere to try to learn? Yeah. I don't, I don't understand yeah. that. It's great that the true corrective can kind of fill in those gaps. You know, for the folks that aren't going to homeschool, they can kind of fill in those gaps a little bit. What's the significance of fostering a child's ability to uncover, discern, and interpret information in today's world? We are in the information age, for better or for worse, mostly for worse. But, and that's not going to change unless we have a zombie apocalypse. But until then, this is what we got. And in this time of endless bombardment of information, a citizenry must have the skills to find the truth hidden beneath the falsehoods. Students are going to be faced throughout their lives with people who wish to manipulate them. These may be members of the media, politicians, or even their school teachers. Without the ability for students to separate truth from intentionally deceptive information, they are left vulnerable to any person in authority who seeks to assert influence over them. If we don't develop that skill in our children, a celebrity on Twitter or a biased college professor can undo all that child has learned, all the values the parents have worked so hard to instill in them. He can destroy that practically overnight. Students need to know how to draw their own interpretations of the world based on evidence so they don't have to be a slave to someone else's interpretations. Is that part of what the True Corrective does? Teach children how to take information that's coming in and say, okay, instead of just accepting this as fact, this newscaster or celebrity or somebody on TikTok, but teaching them to turn that around, look at it and say, okay, is this true? And how can I find out if this is true before I base my actions on this information? It, we are very much uh, about that. And, and it, is a, it is a fine line. I mean, when I say things like that, I definitely get pushback from some people who are like, who say things like, uh, well, we have to teach kids what truth is. And, and of course we do. I agree 100% with that. But it's also important that when we teach them what is truth, we also show them how that truth was arrived at. So they don't just, it's not just something that they heard and somehow have to believe forever because they were told it. If we teach them how it was arrived at, show them how it was uh, uncovered, discerned, and interpreted, then they they internalize it more. And so it, it sticks with them, and then they're able to do that same thing in their own life. And uh, yeah, that that is a major thing that's, that's very important to us. How can we as parents uh, encourage children to engage in a lifelong discovery of, I, I think on, on your website, I think I saw the words, the true, the good, and the beautiful. It's, it's on the website. It's, part, it's, in, um, it's in our mission statement. Um, so 
One way, I think the most effective way, is simply by modeling an appreciation and an admiration for the true, the good, and the beautiful in our lives, in our families, and also in our classrooms and in our instruction. And in order to do that, I think one of the things that that adults do with kids, and certainly I know teachers are uh, do this, that we pander to kids. We sometimes embrace their lowest common denominator in some quest to speak to them on their level. So when when it comes to, for example, teachers and in the classroom, I think we need to stop teaching with videos and pop music and comic books because, well, that's what they're interested in. We won't be able to reach them any other way. <laughs> we have to meet them where we they, where they are. No, we don't. That's not our jobs as adults, as teachers. Our job is to lift them higher, not bend down to them. In fact, it's our responsibility to lift kids higher. Whether they realize it or not, they are depending on us to do that. The next generation depends on us to pass on to them time-honored truths, to instill in them an appreciation for things cherished, uh, beloved, and revered by billions of people before them across all time periods. They're looking to us to show them what is true and good and beautiful. And this is why I refuse to use the musical Hamilton in my class, (laughs) much to the consternation of every history teacher I know. (laughs) But it's rap, Garrison. Kids love rap. I don't care. (laughs) Let them watch it on their own time if they like it so much. My job is to introduce them to higher things for them to find value in. Students don't benefit from me placating them. That's not uh, edifying or uplifting. It's the same reason why I won't teach. And this just came up recently. This book just came up recently in in the news. This is the same reason why I won't teach the Holocaust with the book Mouse. And for those in your audience who don't know, Mouse, spelled M-A-U-S, is a comic book about a Jewish mouse family during the Holocaust. I've read it. I don't care how good it is. It's a comic book. I'm not going to use it in my classroom. My students can read Night, The Diary of Anne Frank, or listen to Holocaust survivor stories. We're not doing comic books. <laughs> I think, you know, to, to, to kind of sum up your, your question, we... We need to show kids what a life in search of the true, the good, and the beautiful actually looks like. Be the example that they most desperately need us to be. Do you think that comic books and movies and musicals and that sort of thing, do you think that's part of what some folks call the dumbing down of America? Sure. I I, I think that the... I don't know which came first. Maybe it's a chicken or egg thing, but right. I have a feeling that the dumbing down started and, and then pandering to kids with these kinds of things is just a natural uh, progression of that dumbing down. It's kind of, it's kind of reaching everything. Right. And, and you touched on uh, one of my theories that I, I haven't dug deep into it and can't prove it, but that it maybe started <laughs> with the thought that let's, build everything around the student instead of looking at what they what they need and the best way to get that to them is like well where are they now and what are their interests and let's just try to build everything out from there the pandering to the student i guess is the way you i can't think of a better way to describe yeah well one of the uh, one of the things that have been pushed probably the last decade the most it's become very strong is a student-centered instruction a student-centered classroom and there are there are places where that is good and 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 beneficial and will help the instruction but when people say that the what they really what the, what they really mean is the extremes of let the students decide what they're going to learn, how they're going to learn it, what they're going to use to learn it, uh, what, what they're going to use to show you that they learned it. And I'm all for student voice and choice. But when my students come in and they say, well, today, 
Mr. Garrison, we've decided our choice is that we're not going to do anything and we're just going to play around. Well, then, you know, my student-centered attitude goes out the window pretty quick. <laughs> right. So for for folks, for teachers, for parents who have said, you know what, this is making a lot of sense to me, what can they do to head in the right direction, so to speak? I think for parents, I think part of the reason why it's so important to us at the True Corrective to empower parents is because we all we all have seen the way that parental authority is being eroded and not just eroded. I mean, eroded makes it sound like it's happening accidentally. It's happening right. intentionally um, in, in, many, in many places. And, and parents are aware of it and, and they, they want to grab hold of that uh, authority and, 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 and power and, and take it back. But they don't always know how, mainly because when you're talking about education, especially in the upper grades, Parents don't, they don't really know how, how do they respond to something that's happening in their class. So let's say little Johnny comes home and he says, hey, hey, mom and dad, did you know that we stole Texas from Mexico? Wow, we're terrible and runs upstairs. Now, mom and dad know, they may know that that's a completely false narrative, but they don't really know how to address it. They don't have in their desk drawer, you know, a, a bunch of printouts of, of of primary sources that they can pull out and say, "Okay, Johnny, sit down. Let me show you exactly how things actually happened." That that's very difficult for them, you know, especially in in the parenting, you know, in the family situation. They don't have five hours to sit down at night to try and look for information to try and stop this piece of indoctrination. So, if they had a way where they could get that information easily, inexpensively, where it can, where it's backed up with primary sources, where it shows exactly how, maybe how that, that false claim was arrived at. And then here is the, here is the evidence that shows why, why it's not true. Um, if they could, if they could do that, I think most of them, I think a lot of them would. Because they, I think they're clamoring for a way to push back. It's just very, very hard. I mean, most parents haven't haven't done any of those things since they were in high school. They, they don't have those things right at the tip of their tongue. And sadly, uh, you know, a lot of parents, if a student come home and said that, they might not even know that it's not true. They might not remember. That's, yeah, that's, that's know, true. They might not be a history person. But since you brought that up specifically, uh, the U.S. stole... Texas from Mexico. I looked on the website. You've kind of got, I guess, a sample lesson is the mm -hmm. best way to describe it. Yeah. And I really like how everything is, is laid out. Could you tell our listeners how a typical lesson is laid out? Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, it's, it's hard to do without looking at it, but, you know, without somebody seeing it while I describe it. But it's funny, so, it's funny that you say that because I, I, I watched it. I looked at it and watched the different videos today, and I actually have like a printout of that page, and I'm looking at it. <laughs> so I've seen it, and I'm looking at it. So, so that's from our from our curriculum for private uh, for public and private school parents, and it's called the Spirit of Resistance, as I mentioned earlier. And so, this one lesson we call them engagements. This this one engagement is is a, a singular claim a claim that we know is being advanced in, I would say, the overwhelming majority of U.S. history classrooms in this country. And w whether it's being done intentionally or just ignorantly, it's, it's being done. And within that claim that the United States stole Texas from Mexico are, are a whole bunch of underlying claims, such as we live on stolen land and it's somehow evil for a society to grow and expand and and white europeans own that evil more than anyone else in, in history ever has and so what we do with these spirit of resistance engagements is just dismantle all of that and so the the process that that we go through is we first start out with a a hook a way to connect what they're about to see to something bigger Right, so some, something outside of 
United States history. Uh, in this particular lesson, we connect it to, to a migration that occurred in Africa, in ancient Africa. So, so, so we do this hook to kind of draw them in, uh, you know, make them wonder, ah, what's going on here? What is this all about? We give them a timeline of events so they can see, you know, how, where we're going with this. And then we start presenting evidence. We start presenting pieces of, and we call, and we call it, uh, did you know? Because the, the, the question we're really asking is, were you taught this in class? Did this come up in your class? Did your teacher ever provide you with any sources that told you this, that this thing that was left out that changes everything about your understanding of the event? Because I think we all know from, from trying to get uh, truth from the news that we can be manipulated not just by what we what we're told, but by what we're not told is almost more important in, in manipulating what we think about a topic. So, so I'll give you an example in that in that one engagement. One of the did you know is did you know that Mexico invited Americans to settle Texas? Americans didn't just rush the border or something. You know, those dastardly gun-toting Americans didn't just run in there, bring all their slaves in and say, oh, it's ours now. We're planting our flag. That's, that's not how the whole thing went down. Mexico could not get its own people to settle Texas. It, it was going to lose it to anybody who wanted to settle it because they could not get their own people to settle there. So they, they gave away free land to Americans to come settle there. And not, not just to Americans, to anybody, Europeans, anyone. Uh, it was just mostly Americans because they were right there on the border. And they gave them free land, no taxes for, I think, nine years, and said, please, please come settle and colonize. Please come colonize Texas. That's, that's what it was. And then at a certain point, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, I believe you said in the, the video that I watched that they said, please come, come colonize because their own people weren't colonizing these areas. And these are the types of things that students would not know if it weren't for, you know, things like this. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm certain. I mean, I know that I, I know that none of the teachers in my school teach any of that information, uh, in, in their, in their U.S. history classes. And then the end result of that is the thing they definitely don't teach is when Texas went to war for its independence. It was because the Mexican government had completely torn up its own constitution and instituted a, a complete tyranny. It, it wasn't that, that they sat around and said, oh, you know, we'd really like to do what we want over here in Texas. So, you know, forget Mexico and what they want. No, the, the Mexican government General Santa Ana comes in, takes over in a military coup, takes over the government, tears up the constitution that Mexico just wrote uh, 10 years before that, after they, after they broke free and became independent from Spain, tears it up, throws out the legislature, and institutes a complete autocratic tyranny in Mexico and all of the Mexican states, of which Texas was one of those states. And it wasn't just Texas who went to war. It's always presented as Texas... It went to war to try and get away from Mexico, and Mexico was doing great with all its other states. There were nine other states in Mexico that went to war to leave Mexico at the time. It wasn't just Texas. Everybody in Mexico thought the Mexican government uh, needed to be broken away from. It's just that Texas succeeded. Right. Are all the engagements, I like how you call it engagement instead of a lesson, <clears throat> but are they all set up in this and for our listeners, there's a, a part one in this engagement. Part one is like an introduction. Part two is the hook that you mentioned. Part three is timeline and historical context, which I really like that. I like how, you know, the claim is the U.S. stole Texas from Mexico. So you don't start with that. You start with, you know, the foundations and, and what led up to the point at which some folks might claim that. Uh, but anyway, part three is the timeline and historical context. Part four is the did you know, and then part five 
a big picture. Are all the engagements set up in that framework? Yes, exactly the same. And, and the reason is because we, we want parents to end and their children to become comfortable with them. We, I really, we need, we need to make the instruction that we're providing for parents something that they can do easily without having to put hours of effort into it. So we make them all the same. They, they all have the same exact outline and this, the, the students, the, the kids and the parents every week or, or whenever, you know, a new one is released, depending on the, the course that it's in, uh, they know exactly how it's going to go. They're, they're ready for it and they can do it easily. And I was also impressed, by the way, with these are, are just short three to five minute. I don't remember the exact, but uh, it seems like that was the, the time frame. Uh, it's something that's very doable. If you've got a student that's coming home after a long day of school, this is not something you're going to have to spend three hours on for each lesson to, to supplement what they're learning at school. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be done all at one time. You know, you can do part one and two, the next day do three and four or something like that. Uh, and, and since we're on the subject, uh, the, the very last thing that we give at the end of every engagement is a set of discussion material. And it's really actually the key that like the linchpin that holds the whole thing together. Because remember, everything that, that we do this for is for parents to be involved is for parents to to be part of that process of their children um, countering certain, uh, you know, indoctrination or false narratives, uh, for the parents to be part of the process of instilling our shared values and principles. So what we offer to them is a set of discussion materials where we give them a series of questions to ask their child to that will open up a, a broader discussion about this about this event. So, so we can get to the other things about what does it really mean to expand and to grow? And, and where is the line where it becomes wrong and, and where it becomes evil to, to grow and expand into uh, another, you know, another area. Um, and, and those are discussions that the parents need to have w with their kids. And so we offer these, these series of questions and we give them expected answers, things they should expect to hear fr from their child and also things that their child might misunderstand, uh, common misunderstandings about the event or about the topic that their child might throw out at them and how to counter that, how, how to, how to unravel that for their child. Uh, because, you know, th these discussions, about shared values and principles, these discussions about these, these big ideas, they're happening. Children are, they're having them, they're hearing about them, they're he reading them in headlines that run through their Twitter and Snapchat feeds. And the parents need to be involved in those discussions. And so we want to make it as easy as possible for them to do that. So you're, you're building up the, the social studies. Uh, and I know over time, this is going to expand and grow. Um, when what's your time frame of, of when this is going to hit the ground running and parents can dig in and yeah so we are going to be releasing the the U.S. history spirit of resistance curricula in September that's going to be our first one then we're going into global there'll be a spirit of resistance on global we're currently in the middle of our homeschool course in U.S. history. And I think by, by next September, we plan to have the, the, at least the whole series of courses that are taught in social studies in 7 through 12 for the spirit of resistance. So you, you're talking about economics, um, uh, government and law, a, a civics course. The civics course will probably be a, a one semester. Economics is also sometimes one semester courses in, in many high schools. So we're going to, we're going to start there and then just keep building after that. I was actually just doing, uh, this week, uh, the last couple of days, I've been doing interviews to interview, uh, to hire researchers 
to help us research and pull primary sources and get everything, get everything organized so we can build these courses faster. So this is not a one man operation. This is a, this is a big deal. You guys are really digging in, doing the research. It sounds like. Well, it it has been a one man op- operation up until up until now. Uh, I just and, and I could continue to write all of this on my own, but it would be a decade before it gets done. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so so it's it, well, it's time to get some outside people to start doing this for us. Well, I, I'm impressed just with the one engagement that I saw, and I'm really excited. Thank you. I'm excited for you guys. I'm excited to see what what becomes of all this. But I'm curious. Uh, what are some challenges you've already faced in running the True Corrective? The biggest challenge, just trying to get this going and trying to build any kind of interest in it, has been we are in such a place in the United States right now with this gender ideology and the transing of the kids that it is it is the focus of every group and organization. And of course, rightly so. But that's one of the things that we've been struggling with is we're, we're, you know, this is a multifaceted problem, what's going on in the United States. And this is what we do well, uh, instruction. And so we're going after that facet of it. But the, the focus is so heavy on what's going on in schools with, you know, pornography and school libraries, et cetera, that We've had a very hard time getting people to say, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to look at what's going on with you over here, (laughs) what you're doing. That's really been the the toughest thing is to, is to uh, get people to, to notice this other facet, this other, this other front in the battle that that we're trying to, that we're trying to build. Right. But it also seems like it's the perfect time because there are so many things going on that just, infuriate parents and you know we're we're as a parent i'm speaking as a parent now not as a teacher but um sometimes when i when i read the, you know luckily i teach in and my my daughter goes to a fairly conservative school district but when i read things in the news and i see what's going on in other school districts and i talk to other teachers in different areas i'm kind of, as a parent i'm infuriated by some of the things going on and you know, I'm kind of in the know because I'm actively, you know, trying to learn. But I think most parents are just frustrated and it just stops there. I don't think they're searching to see if there's a true corrective out there. So that's that's one of the reasons I started a podcast. And I'm so glad that I found you, Patrick, and found the true corrective. Because I hope as as my podcast grows more people will discover what you guys are doing because it really goes hand in hand with the purpose of my podcast. It, it does. Yeah, it really does. And I agree with you a hundred percent that this is, this is the right time. It, the, the time, the timing is, is excellent. We are in a, in a place where parents are, are becoming or waking up to what's going on. And a lot of them are still, still respond to the news like, well, that can't really be happening. I mean, that, 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 that would be crazy. There's no way that's got to be an exaggeration. It's got to, there's got to be some other thing going on besides that. But the more they, the more they see, the more they realize, you know, things are bad enough that, that the parents who, I mean, I think in this country we're, we're at 85% of Americans have children. That means that 85% of our electorate are parents. Mm-hmm. It's not like parents are some kind of fringe group. The, the, you know, the teacher unions love, uh, love to paint parents as this outside group that, that doesn't really belong in education. Education is a public service. It's a public good. And parents are 85% of the public. If they're not supposed to be involved, who is? Right. You guys are uniquely positioned. Um, someone who has their kids in public school can benefit from the true corrective. Someone who wants to homeschool can benefit from the true corrective. Someone who takes their kids out of their local public school and takes them to a different school 
whether that's private or whatever that case may be, there is a place for the true corrective in there. And I love that. What, so with that in mind, what are some of your long-term goals? Well, part of the problem that I think we've seen over time in this country is that we're, we're kind of on a, a treadmill where we make strides in educating adults in our shared values and principles and their importance because they were not instilled in them when they were in school. And we make these strides in educating adults in them. But then every 12 years, a new crop of 56 million citizens gets dumped out into the country who reject those values and principles. And we have to start all over again. So what we want to do with the true corrective, what we're trying to do is interrupt that cycle. We want to help parents raise the new generation of teachers and professors that will uphold and advance those values and principles. So we're not in the middle of this cycle where we have to every 12 years reteach another generation who wasn't taught properly the first time. Uh, we envision classrooms where teachers who push radical ideologies are challenged by their students. You know, where students are saying, you know, Mrs. Johnson, I hear what you're saying, but Mr. Garrison told me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> over the true corrective that, that this is what really happened. So we envision that. We envision a time where students don't let them get away with one-sided, misleading, uh, monocausal explanations of events in history, where, where, where students push back against false narratives. Um, an education system where students have been taught how to discover truth independently so they can see right through petty biases. Um, and if we can do that, if we can raise a new generation of citizens who can't be lied to anymore, who don't blindly accept what they're being told, then they can advance our republic, protect it, preserve it, and keep themselves free. We'll have a new generation of citizens who have seen behind the curtain. That is wonderful. So hopefully, if my listeners didn't know about the True Corrective, they've heard enough that they're interested, want to check you guys out. Where can they learn more about the True Corrective? Well, our, our website is truecorrective.com. Very simple. Uh, and it would be helpful if, if people who went there just subscribed to our email list uh, so we can keep people updated on what we're doing. That's all we're going to do is just make sure that you're updated on, on, on our progress. Uh, it would also be great to follow us on social media because we, we release a lot of things there. We, we recently released this whole spirit of resistance uh, lesson on social media. Our, our profile name is at true corrective on, on everything. Soon we're going to be offering a, a very unique program to parent organizations and educational organizations to sponsor our courses. So their sponsorship will help us develop our courses and their organization will be featured prominently in that course that will be seen by all the families who subscribe to it, as well as helping to establish a link between that organization and, and our customers who are able to help satisfy the needs of parents that, that we don't address. You know, there are a lot of parent organizations out there fighting for so many things for, for parents and families. We're only one part of that. And so by, by collaborating in this sponsorship with these other parent and educational organizations, we can connect them to each other. How can individuals contribute or support the work that you guys are doing? We are going to start a um, crowdfunding type of, gotcha. of campaign for for everyday people, parents, and and you know to be able to invest small amounts to to help get us going. And 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 of course there'll be it'll be a reward crowdfunding campaign where. Instead of, you know, a t-shirt, because we don't produce those kinds of products, they would receive, for example, for, for their investment or their donation, a, a year 
a year full of, of a course. So, you know, nine months of a subscription to, to a single course, things like that. Uh, for a certain amount, you know, we'll give a lifetime subscription. I'm, I'm not against that. Although my team is going to, is going to bite their tongues when they hear that I said that without <laughs> discussing that with them. But, you know, it's, it, it's a process, Joey, you know, it's, we're, we're, we're trying to build this. It's, it's challenging anybody who's tried to, uh, create a startup fundraising is the most difficult part and so so that's where we're where we're headed next and we we will have something like that shortly other than that the best way for anybody who wants to support us is to subscribe to our email list so we can start building some kind of some kind of uh you know groundswell effort truecorrective.com not the Correct. truth okay just want to make sure our listeners know well that. we we also, and also we also own Go ahead. We also own the truecorrective.com. So we own, we own them both. So if somebody types it in wrong, they'll come to the same place. Okay. And I will make sure and include uh, links in the show notes to your website. Thank you. Um, your Twitter. Uh, that's kind of where we met is on Twitter. Uh, yes. We found out very quickly that we had uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the same views on education. So I'm excited to to interview you on the ground floor of the true corrective. Cause I really feel like if the word gets out, there'll be a lot of folks interested and this thing will take off. I, I really appreciate it. I, I appreciate you having me on and giving me, you know, the, the time and, and you obviously did your research before we got on. You, you had, you had gone through what we offer. So you asked all the, all the right questions, man. <laughs> I'd love to have you back on sometime. I'm, I've, I'm always down for it. We've scratched the surface on what the true corrective is, and I'd love to have you back sometime to dig into maybe some specifics, kind of like we did on the the claim that the U.S. stole Texas from Mexico. I think it'd be interesting to to look at some other claims in some future episode. I usually end the program with what's the most important thing, or if you if you only walk away remembering one thing about the true corrective. What would that one thing be? I would like parents to believe, not just understand, but believe that they do not have to accept being pushed aside in their children's education, that we can retake our role as our children's primary teachers. We just have to expect it. Uh, we have to expect that our place as parents and our parental rights are going to be respected and, and demand that it happens and, and it can be done. And you can be involved in your child's education through 12th grade. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care how difficult and challenging the, the instruction is. As long as the provider is intentionally trying to make instruction that you can be involved in, then it can be done no matter what level of, of um, content knowledge you bring to the table. I so appreciate you joining us today, Patrick. It's been a pleasure on this end, having you on the conservative classroom. And I know our listeners, now that they know about the True Corrective, I know they appreciate the work you're doing and appreciate your coming on our podcast and just making us aware of the True Corrective. Thank you, Joy. I really appreciate it. Thank you. That's it for today's episode of The Conservative Classroom. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Patrick Garrison. If you liked what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Most importantly, share this podcast with a like-minded educator, parent, or patriot. You can also connect with us on social media and share your thoughts on today's topic. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to teach the truth and preserve our values, consider showing support for the conservative classroom and your fellow conservative teachers by showing off some conservative swag. Visit our merch store at theconservativeclassroom.com. That's theconservativeclassroom.com. In addition to clothing and coffee mugs, with our logo name and slogan. We also have items with our colors and schoolhouse logo only. We know it's hard to be openly conservative in some school districts, but your silent show of support may help you find other conservatives in your community. In other words, you might not be comfortable wearing a shirt 
that says the conservative classroom on it. But if you wear one that has a low-key logo on it, you won't be pushing your politics on your liberal friends or students, but you might just discover another closet conservative. Even if you don't, you'll know that you are quietly supporting the values that are best for your kids, your school, and your community. Until next time, this is Mr. Webb reminding you that you are not alone. See you next time on The Conservative Classroom. Teaching the truth. Preserving our values.